As I was uh, thinking about baptism this week, ran across a passage in John's Gospel, chapter 10, that I haven't really paid much attention to recently. But there's a little detail here that kind of jumped out and spoke to me. And I hope it says something to you. I have John 10, verses 39 through 42, as the message entitled, Remember Your Baptism. But I'm going to get a running start here and, and pick up about verse 31 and skip a little bit and then jump in at uh, verse 39. In verse 31 of John 10, if, you're ha- if you have your copy of God's Word, you can open it up and follow along. It says, the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered, I've, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? And Jews, the Jews answered him, it's not for a good work that we stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself God. And then Jesus goes on to refute that argument. But they didn't listen. And down in verse 39, again they tried to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. Now look at this at verse 40. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John at first baptized. And there he remained. And many came to him and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Bow with me. Father, as we come tonight to see these four baptized, it conjures up memories in our own minds of of our baptism, maybe a few years ago, maybe many years ago. But we pray that the meaning it had for us then is as real and true for us today. And let it bring encouragement and hope and help us persevere when times get hard, remembering our baptism. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in John chapter 10, the, the Jerusalem crowds begin to dislike Jesus. There is growing hostility. There's a feast of dedication going on in the temple, and great Jewish crowds attend and come together, and they hear this man talk, and they understand to hear him say that he is the Son of God, and it, it concerns them, and they attribute it to blasphemy, and they pick up stones, which is what you're supposed to do when you hear blasphemy. They went so far to do that. The moment was critical. Jesus was in real physical danger at this point, but he avoided falling into the hands of the enemies just yet because it was not his hour. He controlled the hour. He controlled the when, the where, and the how of his arrest. Don't ever think that evil forces overtook him. No, Jesus allowed it. But this was a confrontation that came a little prematurely. And so Jesus had to withdraw from this persecution for a time of rest and reflection and preparation. And it says here in verse 40, he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John at first baptized him, and there he remained. Isn't that interesting? A little detail, a little tidbit that usually we just gloss right over. But here it says Jesus went back to the place of his baptism. Of all the places Jesus could have gone, why did he choose to go back there, to the place where John the Baptist first baptized him? I think he did so for a very specific reason and a purpose a lot better than just to avoid crowds or, or a premature arrest. 
This area held memories for Jesus, precious memories. It was there that John the Baptist, the herald, the forerunner of Jesus, carried on his ministry of preparation and repentance, calling people to repentance. And it was there that Jesus committed himself to his mission and was baptized by John the Baptist. Despite John the Baptist's protest, Jesus insisted and inaugurated his mission, his ministry right there. I couldn't help this these past few days, but wonder what went through Jesus' mind as he sat there on the banks of the Jordan River looking out into the water where he was baptized. What was he thinking about? What was going through his mind remembering his baptism? And then it occurred to me that we always have stained glass windows of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane kneeling beside a rock and praying. But I actually think those prayers began three years earlier, right here on the eastern bank of the Jordan River. I actually looked up the site, and it's about eight to ten miles north of the Dead Sea. And there's a church of John the Baptist that has been built there over the site, trying to remember the exact location where Jesus had been baptized by John the Baptist, and perhaps even on the bank where Jesus sat and looked out into the river and remembered. I think Jesus knew that at this point what was going to happen. His ministry was beginning and he knew where it would lead. He knew it would end up at a cross. And so he had to go back to his baptism and remember. I've never seen a picture, I've never seen a stained glass window of Jesus sitting on the bank of the Jordan River, or even standing looking out into the water where he was baptized. But I believe it could be a powerful image. Because Jesus was careful to go back where his ministry began. This was a place of certainty. This was the place where the heavens had opened up and a a dove came down and lit on his shoulder and he heard the voice of God saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And here Jesus completely understood what his role as the Messiah was going to be. It was going to be a suffering servant. He went back to Jerusalem here in in this chapter and the Jews were persecuting him and they were gathering stones. And I can imagine that he had some conversations with God about that. God, did you see what they were doing? They were picking up stones to throw at me. I've just begun my ministry. And I imagine there was some consternation and there was some sweating and there was some deep, deep prayers going on. Because his ministry, the beginning of the end was at hand. It was approaching its climax. And Jesus just felt the need to stand again in that familiar setting of his baptism and hear again the voice of God. Because of this return to his baptism, I believe Jesus was renewed in his spirit and made strong to face the crises that were lying ahead. You know, there are times when we need to return to our baptism and be renewed. Because all of us at some time have felt the need to get away from the routine and return to a place of early certainty. And I don't care where that is for you. Maybe it's a small church out in the country that you grew up in. Maybe it's a place, a river, a a pond where you were baptized, a stream. You know what I'm talking about. I bet you know exactly where you were baptized. 
the church where you made your public profession of faith in Christ. Do you remember the baptistry and the pastor who baptized you? I remember very distinctly Brother Ted Darty at Oakhurst Baptist Church in Decatur, Georgia. I was seven years old. And uh, he had a white shirt and a black tie with a gold tie clip and thinning hair combed back and black horn-rimmed glasses. That picture is etched in my mind. Those memories are dear, and there are times we need to return to them, kind of like a, a baseball player who skips a base and has to go back and hit it again. Sometimes you just need to go back. In the Old Testament, the Israelites were careful to set up sacred reminders at places where God had intervened miraculously in their lives. A pile of stones over here, my Ebenezer, an altar over there, a sanctuary up there, because they all knew how important memory would be. This was before they had any written documents, and they needed to remember. There would be days down the road when they would need to return to these familiar settings and recall how God had intervened and protected them and been with them, and they wanted to hear him speak again. And they could look at those memorials, those stones, that altar, that sanctuary, and they could tell their children what they meant and pass along to succeeding generations how God had rescued them, lest it be forgotten. I believe there's no better place for Jesus to go back to or for a believer to go back to than your baptism. If you can't do it physically, do it mentally. As I said, I was seven. Oakhurst Baptist Church, Decatur, Georgia. I guess the year was late 1962 or early 1963, but don't do any math there. Figure out how old I am. I remember darting out of the pew during an invitation and my mom grabbing for me, but it was too late because we sat on a wing. We sat over on the side and, and a revival was going on. And I went down and placed my hand in the pastor's hand. I was baptized a few weeks later, as I said, by Brother Ted Darty, And I still have my communion cup from my first Lord's Supper. Coincidentally, I was, when I was pastor in South Carolina several years ago, I was president of Southern Seminary's Alumni Association in the state. And we were preparing for our alumni meeting in conjunction with the South Carolina State Baptist Convention. And I was getting money in the mail every few days from alumni who were coming to the luncheon. And I got a reservation from Ted Doherty, who was living in Greenville, South Carolina at the time. And I got a call from Brother Ted. He was on up in years at the time and was, as it appeared, as it came about, he was unable to attend the luncheon. And he was asking if he could get a refund. Yeah. And I said... Brother Ted, you may not remember me, but I've not forgotten you or what you did for me because you brought me to Jesus and you baptized me at Oakhurst Baptist Church when I was seven in Decatur, Georgia. I will be forever in your debt, and if Southern Seminary refuses to refund your money, I will. <laughs> Brother Ted passed away a few years after that. Your place of baptism doesn't have to be just one place. Think of all the places where you've seen baptism occur. I've seen it in a little 
concrete pool outside. In my church in Kentucky, we had to borrow a neighboring church's baptistry because we didn't have one. I have baptized in ponds, in streams, and in church baptistries. And if you can't recall your own baptism, then every baptismal service can serve the purpose of calling you back to your own baptism. And this, I think, is one of the most important reasons why we baptize publicly, to remind Christians of the dedication and self-surrender that they experienced in baptism, and as a result of seeing it recur time and again in the lives of other new Christians, we challenge ourselves and renew ourselves, our own promises and our own commitments to Christ. The imagery of baptism calls forth memory and imagination. And every time it is performed, it instructs and it exhorts and it encourages us. And not only do I encourage our baptismal candidates to keep the cup from their first Lord's Supper, I also have for them a certificate that commemorates the event. And then we have some good church members who do a few extra things you may not know about. We have Miss Charlene Henderson that embroiders the handkerchief that I use to hold their nose with to keep water from going up their nose. And it says, First Baptist Church, Tifton, Georgia, March 8, 2015. And then Mr. Bill Arnold and Mr. Wayne Matthews have made little wooden paperweights that have a wooden cross on them. And it has on the little plaque on the paperweight their name, the date, and the church. We want to do everything we can to help these baptismal candidates remember this important day in their lives. One day when Martin Luther was particularly discouraged, he used to find comfort and assurance by repeating the phrase, I have been baptized. I have been baptized, he said over and over to himself again. This was his way of reminding himself that he loved God because God first loved him, and that was important for his faith. But you see, we have an advantage over Martin Luther because Martin Luther could not really remember his baptism because he was christened as a baby in the Lutheran church. How much better is it every time we participate in a baptismal experience to be able to relive over again our own experience of self-surrender and death and burial and resurrection with Christ. Baptism by immersion like the Lord's Supper, preaches the Lord's death until he returns. Because when I baptize, I lean them backward. And we see the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus every time we witness the ordinance of baptism. So I'm glad you're here this evening. And I hope seeing these four baptized tonight would remind you of your own baptism into Christ and the calling that he has placed on your life. And I know you can't live on the mountaintop your entire life like that experience of baptism but when you get down in the valleys you can remember those mountaintop experiences and find encouragement and have your hope renewed if you aren't a Christian if you aren't a believer in Jesus what's stopping you from following him tonight let's bow together Father, we know that you love us and we see so great a love as measured by your outstretched hands on the cross that didn't stop at the ends of the cross but extended around the world. 
Because whosoever would believe may come and be saved. Thank you for doing that for us 2,000 years ago at a mountain on a hill called Calvary. And the effect that it still has thousands of miles away, thousands of years later, because what you did for us that night is perfect for everyone, for always. And so we love you, and we remember our commitment, and we renew it. In Jesus' name, amen.